it's great that he's got all of that. It's great that he gets that help. But it is terrible that you had to go in there fighting for that. Oh, I know, I know. They're, they're threatened things like, you know, you're going to have to go to court. For a lot of parents, that's very scary. And yes, it was very scary for me. But, you know, my whole thing was that there was nothing more scary than sending your child somewhere knowing that they weren't able to go on their own. Hello, you're very welcome to the Parentline podcast. I'm your host, Kerry McLean. I'm a broadcaster, a Parentline ambassador, and I'm a mum of three. And this is the podcast where we talk all things parenting, both the joys and the challenges along the way, wherever you are on your parenting journey. Finding out that your child may have a sight issue can, I'm sure, launch it into a bit of a roller coaster, both emotionally and in terms of trying to get the help and the support that they and you need. Well, one thing that we like to do here on the podcast is talk to people who've actually walked a particular parenting path to hear their personal story, what their experience has been, and of course, to pick up their advice for anyone who's facing similar issues such as vision impairment, which is why I am so pleased to welcome Hannah Conroy today. Hi, Hannah. Hello, how are you? I am grand. Thank you very much. You keeping well? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Excellent. Listen, thank you so much for coming and having a chat with us and sharing your story, because I do think it's so important and it's such a big help to other parents just to know that other people are going through the same kind of things that they have. But listen, take us back to when your story begins nine years ago, when your son Ben first made his appearance into the world. So Ben's delivery was very unexpected. He was born nine weeks early um, and only weighed £3.1 um, and he was an emergency section. So he was in the baby unit and I remember going um, the first day that I was allowed in to see him and thinking, why is his hair white? And at that stage, he was also covered in all like um, down, white, white down hairs all over his body. And there's nobody in our house has white hair. In fact, we are all very dark and I had never experienced anything like this before and I suppose because he was born so early I just assumed it was because he he was early and that th- this his hair was going to change uh, colour over time and I did raise my concerns to the nurse in um, the neonatal unit that day but they replied no no it's nothing to worry about you know I did raise the concern you know could he have albinism and the the nurse said no no definitely not what do you see when his eyes open they aren't they aren't pink so that was okay um Ben was in the neonatal unit until his um, due date and whenever we were being, you know, discharged, the doctor that day said, we're going to take him back next week. We have some concerns that he could have albinism. So that, I suppose, concreted my my initial thoughts. Then at a, maybe three months old, he was diagnosed with occultaneous albinism um, and he has attended numerous clinics from he was a baby up until now and he continue you know he continues to attend multiple appointments throughout the year but he's doing very well and we're very lucky that he manages as well as he does he's a very determined wee boy so he makes the most of his very minimal sight. And tell me how much did you actually know about albinism before you had Ben like did you know about the implications possible to sight and things? No I knew very little about albinism I had heard um we have relatives who live in Donegal um, and I know a friend of my cousin's, her her child actually had albinism and that I had never seen the child or anything, but I just heard al- the word albinism. Um, but as I say, no, I didn't have any other, no, didn't know anything else about it. Because I, I mean, I, you know, my knowledge is very surface level as I, I'm guessing most people 
have that kind of, you know, very surface level unless it actually comes into your life in some shape or form. But it's something to do with the, isn't it, the melanin effects, the retina in their eyes, and that's then yes. can have, of course, yeah, yeah. huge, big effects. So you can have um, ocular, oculaneous, and ocular just affects the eyes, but oculaneous then affects the eyes, the skin and the hair. So Ben has white hair, very pale skin. He would burn very, very easily. Um, and then he has significantly low vision. He has nystagmus and he's very sensitive to light. So he's... So those are some mighty big names that you are rhyming off there. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the sign of a mummy who has been through an awful lot of hospital appointments whenever you have those just (laughs) on the tip of your tongue there to come off. Yes, it becomes second nature, I suppose. Um, When Ben was diagnosed, then I did do a lot of research. And, you know, whether that was a good or a bad thing, I don't know. But um, I did do a lot of research to try and find out what, what exactly lay ahead. And I suppose, you know, that then started the questions of, Will he meet his milestones? Will he ever lead a normal life? Will he be able to be independent? Will he go to mainstream school? Will he need assistance? Will he ever get married? Will he ever have children of his own? Will he ever live in- independently? You know, and all those things, you nearly got caught up in what what was like so many years down the line. Um, but thankfully, I was able to accept um, his condition and have a very, very supportive family. Um, and only for them, I probably you know, we couldn't have done it on our own. So um, with all their support and everybody, like neighbours and friends, we've got Ben to where he is today. And as I say, he's doing very well. He is going into primary seven in a mainstream school and hoping to set the transfer test. And it is his intention to go to a grammar school, whether or not that happens. We'll wait and see. But that is totally understandable, that initial fear like you say you know whenever you first have that diagnosis and whenever you first are told that his sight is more than likely to have been affected because can I ask you actually at what stage were they able to say to you yeah this is the level of uh, vision impairment he'll have because whenever they're so tiny can can they tell at that stage? He was very young when he was diagnosed or you know when they were able to tell me his sight um, but he has attended the Royal uh, every six months since and his sight does fluctuate but but kind of does remain as a constant you know it, it goes up and down slightly now we did have an appointment last week I noticed um that he was banging into more things and, and making more mistakes than what he normally would and squinting, squinting quite a bit and putting his head to the null point more often. So um, I phoned the Royal and they very quickly got me in. And yes, his sight has significantly reduced and they don't really know the reason why. Um, so we've been given stronger glasses and hopefully that that will help and bring him back to the level he was at. Because there's not, it's not something that you can have a fix for, is it? There's, no. There's no, no answer to this. No, no answer just have to make the most of it and adapt as best as possible and I suppose because Ben was born like this he has never known any different you know and um, although that's not to say that when you do when you do go to these appointments and get maybe worse news you do start to think to yourself well how bad can it get before it is noticeable to him as well and until he get, reaches a point where it isn't possible to live a normal or live an independent life sorry. But he seems from what you've told me I mean I know he's only nine but he seems like a very confident, very independent wee boy. So he's very independent, confident to the outsiders, but not so confident behind closed doors. So he puts on a great front 
he's very determined. He doesn't let anything get in his way. In fact, he would actually injure himself rather than say, I can't, I can't do that. Um, there have been occasions in school where he won't speak up and say, look, I, I can't see what you're doing. Or, you know, he, he, he's very happy to sit quiet because he doesn't want to be different. And I suppose he's at an age now where he's, he's realizing that everybody else around him doesn't look like what he looks like. And maybe he's not coping very well with that, you know, but he definitely, he copes very well with his, with his visual impairment. However, behind closed doors, he does struggle, you know. What kind of help, what kind of support as well and advice did you get from the health system or elsewhere whenever you got that initial diagnosis? So we were very lucky um, in the healthcare system. We were referred to all the, the different disciplinaries that we needed to go to and, and we were seen very quickly, speech therapy. We went to OT, we had sensory support, who were all brilliant. Um, they were so helpful and a wealth of knowledge. But if you are find yourself in my situation, the one, the one organisation I would advise you to reach out to is RNIB. I can't could can never thank them enough for what they have you know what they the 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 I suppose guidance and help that they provided me and Ben with um and I suppose I want to give a special mention to Roshin who is just unbelievable um it doesn't matter what time of the day or night you have a question you you send it to her and she's straight back with an answer and she's so positive and you know all the fun days that you you know you can attend it's great because you get talking to other parents and you realize that you know, things can be, yes, they can be so much better, but they also can be so much worse. And it makes you very thankful for, you know, how well Ben is and how well he copes with his disability. Everybody needs a rushing, don't we? Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) So lucky to have her. So how has it been ongoing? I know that they're fantastic. They've been giving you so much help. Away from that, maybe in terms of school, how has the help been that you've been given? And how has that changed and adapted or has it? You know, as he as he is grown up and his needs and his his um, the kind of help that he needs changes and differs and alters. So that was not a very nice experience, um, if I'm honest. Uh, I initially reached out to the education board when Ben was three and requested a statement. Now, Ben is like on the blind register and I was told Ben doesn't have a disability and untitled to statement. So they then were, weren't, didn't want, didn't want Ben to have a statement, but I, I persisted with my request because I knew that while Ben was very capable, he was going to need help. He wasn't going to be able to do it on his own, you know, and I suppose it's very scary knowing that you have to send your child somewhere where they aren't going to be able to cope and there's nobody there really like, yes, okay, the teachers are there and will make sure nothing happens, but there's so many other children um, to watch out for. It's a new thing for them. They're also, you know, it's a learning curve for them of the do's and the don'ts and the things that he can and can't do. Um, and I suppose nobody has your back as much as your mummy or your daddy or your family. So I was very conscious that I I couldn't send him knowing that the potential was that he was, you know, I knew he wasn't going to be able to cope on his own. So um, I persisted with with um, the Education Authority and eventually Ben was granted a statement, which has been a great help because it, it means then that, you know, he is entitled to things without me really having to fight very hard for them. It was a big struggle at the start, but he, so he has a, a one-to-one classroom assistant all his work is enlarged. He has a teacher, a QTVI comes out to see him from the education board and she be there every six months. She's absolutely brilliant. And um, we've been very lucky. She just moved over to Ben um, when he was a, 
going into P4. So we've been very lucky since Aileen has moved on, has moved on and is looking after Ben now. She's a wealth of knowledge also. And, you know, anything you ask her, she's straight back with an answer. And I suppose she's dealing with this every day. So she's a bit person best placed, you know, to tell the teacher in the school what's what's best for Ben. But it's great. It's great that he's got all of that. It's great that he gets that help. But it is terrible that you had to go in there fighting for that. Oh, I know, I know. And, you know, I think that they threaten things like, you know, you're going to have to go to court. And I suppose that's for a lot of parents, that's very scary. And yes, it was very scary for me. But, you know, my whole thing was that there was nothing more scary than sending your child somewhere knowing that they weren't able to go on their own. And that's very off-putting because I suppose for some parents that, that would put them off, you know, they would say, oh, yeah, I can't do that. Absolutely. That's, that's you know, but um, since since that, we've we've been lucky, as I say, um, from we've, from Aileen has come on as Ben's QTVI. She's brilliant and really fights for everything that, you know, Ben's entitled to and should have. And for the most part, the school is also very um, good at accommodating his needs the the teacher at the minute Mr Wiley um he's great um nothing's ever a bother and he always does his, you know always goes out of his way to make sure Ben's included and feels part of everything I suppose last year um there was a few I had a few concerns about Ben feeling not left not that anybody was leaving him out but Ben felt like he was being left out yeah. and I suppose that was just coming from the whole emotional side of being different um, and I have to say Mr Wiley was very proactive and helpful uh, you know and like would have linked in with me at the end of every week to see how things were going and had individual chats with Ben without Ben even really knowing that he was having these conversations with him so he was getting things out of him that was very valuable you know. Having those kind of figures can make such a big difference to children, you know, especially yeah. when they have got additional needs through, you know, vision impairment and things. And I know a lot of parents in your position haven't felt that, you know, that they felt like their kids aren't getting as much help that they as they need mm-hmm. with their development, with their coordination, with their independence skills, you know, and it's incredible how just one person one really good person dropping into their lives in some shape or form like that can make such a huge difference for them and probably for you as well. Oh, definitely. Yes, because whenever it's something totally different and you don't know anything about it and you don't know what's the right thing to do, you know, everything you go to do, you're thinking, is this what I should be doing or should be doing something else? And, you know, it's difficult. So when you have somebody like Roisin who you can go to and ask absolutely anything to and she'll give you a really good answer um, and, you know, really help you think think your your thoughts through and come to the best solution for the child. Whenever you first got in touch with them, was that through your own, um, did you reach out to them yourself? Were you encouraged to get in touch with the RNIB through hospital or, or yeah, where, so how did you come through to them? Yeah, so I got a wee leaflet um, at one of Ben's eye appointments fairly early on in Ben's diagnosis. And I suppose I didn't reach out initially because there was so much other things going on, you know, but it didn't take me too long to reach out. And I was delighted when I did, because as I say, their help has been great. Um, Now, more recently, we've been put in touch with guide dogs and we have had an initial uh, consultation with them and and a few home visits since. So I'm excited to see how that all pans out in preparation for Ben moving on to big school. We'll be back in just a minute after this short message from the Parentline team. Parentline NI is a free confidential service offering advice, support and guidance on any parenting matter. If you would like some support with any of the issues raised in today's podcast or any other parenting issue, please call the Parentline team today on free phone 0808 8020 400 
or check out our Facebook page for more information. Now, on with the show. Do you have a lot of contact then with other parents who are in the similar I suppose before COVID, there would have been, you know, loads of fun days and Ben was younger then. So a lot of, sometimes a lot of the fun days or or play mornings would happen during the week. And now with Ben being at school, you know, that's not not possible to go to. Um, And some of the weekend sessions for one reason or another, I just haven't been able to attend within the past couple of months. But COVID, I think, ruined everything for everybody. Um, And we lost touch with a lot of people. But, you know, I suppose there that we as parents of children with sight loss are the type of people that, you know, there's always somebody there to talk to when you need them, you know. So you don't have to be living in each other's pockets and being in contact every week, you know, to be able to, when something happens, be able to go and ask somebody, what did you do or did this ever happen to you? And they're always there to help and support you. You seem like you really have no fear now at this stage. You know, when you were talking about whenever he was first born, that was a big thing that kind of came across the the fear of what lay in his future, what lay in your future. Mm-hmm. Has that, do you, do you feel yourself like that has eased a lot? Maybe now because I'm more knowledgeable and educated on what exactly albinism is. And I have, you know, been able to watch Ben grow and, and adapt to different environments and um, different activities. But I suppose there's um, there's always fear, you know, nobody wants their child. You want your child to have all the faculties that they should have to make life as easy as possible for them, uh, you know, but. And I think that's all any parent or any carer wants is you want a smooth and easy mm-hmm. a track in life for them, don't you? Yeah. And the fear has definitely not went away. It maybe has subsided slightly because I know more now than what I did then. Um, but you know, in the middle of the night when you're thinking, oh, what's big school going to be like? And now there's another change coming and, you know, things that should be fun, things that should be looking forward to. Like it should be a great achievement for your child to go to big school. It should be achievements like, you know, passing their driving test. Like that's never going to be a thing. That's never going to be an option for Ben. So part of you also, you know, you're disappointed for the things that you know are, are never going to be. But then you have to see the good side and be thankful for how 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 able he is to manage. See, I just wonder how much time you and other parents in the same position kind of give to looking after yourselves. Because I think, like you mentioned there about how you, how you had to go in and battle for him. And I think, you, you know, there are a lot of parents who spend an awful lot of energy, an awful lot of hours fighting for their kids, making sure their kids are okay. And sometimes, you know, I do wonder, you know, who's kind of looking after you and making sure you're all right? Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose that's where your supportive family and friends um, come into play. And as I've said at start, I'm so, so fortunate without my family and friends. I, I wouldn't, me and Ben would certainly not be where we are today. I mean, I finished my degree after Ben was born. I'm in full-time employment, which, you know, that's another thing I have to be very thankful for that um, the employ- who I'm currently employed with, um, Gil Fresh Produce, are very, very accommodating of all Ben's appointments. Like coming out today to do this podcast was nothing's ever a problem, which really alleviates a lot of the stress because, you know, as a, as a working parent, it's difficult, but it's even more difficult when, you you know, there are those sporadic phone calls of oh, something has happened or we have an appointment or and you know Ben does have an awful lot more appointments than any other child and that's half the battle whenever your employer is understanding of your situation. 
Hugely, absolutely. If you've got a good employer, it really makes life as a, a working parent so much easier, doesn't it? Definitely, yeah. In every shape or form. What about as he is coming up through, you know, and he's just about to head into big school? Fingers crossed he gets the skill that he's after. <laughs> Here's hoping. But what about that kind of stage where, you know, they do start to want to stretch their wings a wee bit and there's a bit more where they want to test their independence. I mean, Mm -hmm. have you thought about that or has he already reached that stage? Because as for you, there's probably a lot more concerns there about about him doing those kind of things. Yeah, well, currently, no, Ben is very happy um, in his own surroundings with his own people. Um, He's very close with my two sisters who... I suppose he nearly looks on them as friends rather than two aunts. And uh, they, you know, they do a lot of fun things with him. So he doesn't really, he hasn't really explored that yet where, you know, he's wanting to go and do things with friends. When that day comes, I don't know what we'll do because that'll be a big worry. But um, I suppose we'll just have to take each day as it comes and, and let him do as much as he can without putting him into danger, you know. Um, and it's very hard to get that across to him that, you know, we're not we're not not allowing you to do these things just to be mean. We're not allowing you to do them because it's not practical or, you know, it's not safe. So um definitely this transition to big school is a big worry. But here's hoping with the right school and the right support he'll he'll progress and succeed. I think a lot of kids, they haven't quite, um, I don't know, uh, stretched their wings as much as they would have pre-COVID. You know, I, I know I see yeah. that even with my kids, there's not the same desire to to run about as maybe the older ones would have done. But I'm sure it's a big relief for you that whenever he is going out and he's having fun, it is with members of your family, you know, people that you yes, trust 100%. Yeah. And, and even, you know, that like when you're leaving Ben with people to mind, you have to be so careful who you choose. You know, there's very few people who I would just give Ben to because it's, it's, you have to be tuned in. You have to know what you're looking for. You have to nearly see the, the dangers before they happen. You know, like, oh, there's a curb, step down, Ben, you know, things like that. And and I notice myself doing that and not even thinking about it. And then, you know, maybe if I have somebody else's child with me, I'll automatically do that too. And they're looking at me as if I don't need you to tell me that there's a step. I can see there's a step, you know. But um, so, yeah, definitely. And as well, having, having people who you can trust to leave him with and who know who you know understand the situation and the condition is such a great help as well. But if the guide dog thing does occur, then that would give it that would be a great thing mm-hmm. for you to know that he has that automatic help right beside him all the time. Yeah, well there there are discussions at the minute are with a cane and Ben isn't really that fussed on that because you know everybody will be looking at me and I'm not walking about with a stick and you know I think he thinks there's some sort of a stigma attached to it whereas he would love to have a dog told the lady I but I would really love to have a dog but um <laughs> it's not it's not a pet uh, you know he was told no Ben this is this is a working dog it's not it's not a pet so um let's see how, what what happens there well listen tell me this if anybody else is at the start of this journey with their child, a child that maybe has got some sort of visual impairment. You know, you've got nine years of experience now underneath your belt. You're an outhand at this. You know where you're (laughs) at. What would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Ask loads of questions at your appointments, even though you might feel like you're being a real pain. And, you know, I was always very conscious that the waiting room was so full and you were moving from 
person to person, especially in, in the Royal and the IE clinic, you know, you were seeing so many people at the one appointment and everywhere was so, so busy and you were conscious that you were keeping them back or you were, you were over your appointment time. But that was paramount, was asking as many questions as possible and writing everything down because you do forget, you know, um, and also then reaching out to RNIB and if you get rushing, you're on the home straight, you'll, you'll be great. It'll be great. And um, also attending, you know, information mornings and attending. Like I remember at the start, you know, there would have been things in my local town and I would have been nearly afraid to go. Not afraid because because of Ben's condition, but just afraid of putting myself out there and, and being exposed to maybe questions or and me thinking that I wasn't knowledgeable enough to be at, at, at these information or, or group meetings. But in actual fact, they were brilliant because they give you all the information that you needed to know and you were hearing other people's stories. And, you know, whenever people, whenever you hear it from other people's contexts, it it makes it a lot easier because you're not reading a story. You're actually talking to somebody who, who has come through it. Hearing, I think that, I think it can really help hearing from other people who have been in your shoes. But I think sometimes here, in our wee part of the world as parents, sometimes we're not very good about asking for help because we don't want to put anybody out. We don't want to feel like we're being too pushy or anything. Where sometimes that is just what you need to do. You just need to stick your nose on in there and go for it. Yeah, definitely. And were there any other organisations that really helped you? Angel Eyes were also very important um, and I'm still in touch with them, but I suppose I'm in touch with them through Roisin. So um, Roisin keeps you in the loop about everything. Roisin's great. We'll need she to get a chat Roisin. <laughs> you do, you do. She went off on maternity leave and that was the longest nine months of my life. <laughs> well, listen, all of the best of luck to Ben for his big test coming up. So that's in, when is that then? January? No, that's in November coming. November. Oh, it's really mm-hmm. even earlier than that. Mm-hmm. All the best of luck to him for that. And I hope that he gets to go through to the big school that he has got his, uh, his heart set on and that he yes. uh, flies by. And listen, best of luck to you as well. And thank you so much for taking the time out to have a chat Thank with you us. very much for the opportunity. And we'll have to dedicate this uh, podcast, I think, to Roshi. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Parentline podcast. If you'd like access to the next episode as soon as it goes live, just click follow wherever you get your podcasts. At Parentline, we love supporting as many parents and carers as possible. So if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love you to consider sharing it with a friend, colleague or family member. Don't forget, if you would like support or guidance with any parenting issue, we're here for you on 0808 8020 400. Catch you on the next one.